Hey everybody, another BS podcast here, uh, and uh, joining me this week is uh, Mark. Hello, Mark. How you doing, mate? Oh. <laughs> I'm practicing. I'm practicing. <laughs> My balls have swelled up to the size of a tangerine. I gotta uh, go get me pizzeri do down and get the boomerang, <laughs> eh? I'm gonna go out shiny and bright. Shiny and bright. Oh my broad shazza, she can't. Witness me. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> it's got fuck all to do with what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, for anyone who hasn't quite figured it out yet from the title or anything like that, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the Bond themes in general. Our favourites, our least favourites. Sam Smith will get a mention somewhere along the way. Um, but yeah, we're just going to kind of uh, shoot the shit on all of the Bond themes over the years and like interesting little factoids that one or the other may remember that the other one doesn't know. And, and just generally kind of just chill and listen to some Bond and hopefully talk over it enough that we don't get sued and um, yeah, just generally have a good time. So, the classic. We're starting with the classic. The James Bond theme, which technically is also the theme tune, and it's just finishing. Um, <laughs> to Doctor No, which was, of course, the first Bond movie. Way, 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 way back in, like, 1965, I think? Is Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Earlier than that, I want to say sixty-two. Well, because I only say sixty-five because the Bond fifty. Um, oh shit! No, yeah, I think you may be right actually. Yeah, nineteen sixty-two. Yeah, is just... Doctor No, that is old. Dang, dang, that is old. Yes, because the Bond fifty collection came out in two thousand twelve when Skyfall came out. Okay, yeah. So sixty-two for for Doctor No, which it's a really simplistic film. It's pretty basic. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, going back, it's not that memorable. No. It's. I mean, you got Connery. You have the iconic, you know, like oh, uh, you know, bikini shot and all that. But in all honesty, it's not the most memorable film of, especially of the series. It's not. It's not. But then I, I think it's just because it's. Um, I mean, it's sixty-two, so it's very early on. Um, Special effects aren't like everything that they would become in the future. And this was the first Bond movie. They weren't going to put a lot of money into it. If I remember correctly, the the budget for Doctor No was absolutely minuscule, um, even by the standards of the day. Um, And, you know, nobody was sure if James Bond would work on the international stage because it's a story about a British agent. Um, you know, it wasn't the big blockbuster American story that everyone was thinking. I do want to say, like, I, I completely. Like I'm, you and me, we can we can say right now because they don't know, but you and me basically admit to each other we're big Bond fans. Oh, fucking huge Bond fans, yeah. Yeah, which is it that says a lot about the general reach of the series. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm like Caribbean, Hispanic American. Uh, you know, Dave, you're obviously from the UK. Yeah. So you've got closer ties to this uh, series, which is <laughs> financed by Italians. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> the broccoli. Uh, Italians in America for the, for the British and blew up everywhere else. Um, where he's been played by an Australian, an Irishman. Pretty much you know, every well, nationality. He's been played, yeah, it, we, he's run the gamut. Um, but this, because even though Dr. No for me is like, it's not a memorable film, I do want to say that it was my grandmother who got me into James Bond. Mm. And she loved this movie. This was uh, her favorite, this was her favorite James Bond movie. Which mm. to me at least is understandable because... You know, she 1962. She must have been like, uh, she. You know, she, she's not with us anymore. But she must have been like 20 back then. Mm. 
you know, and she she loved this movie. Like she always put it on, uh, and then that got my uncle into it, who in turn got me into it. You know, and and obviously when I was a kid, Goldeneye was the big thing. But I guess we'll get into that later. Fuck yes, we will. Yeah, Goldeneye, the re revival of um of the Bond franchise to uh, pretty much everybody of our generation. Definitely, probably the first Bond movie that we saw in the cinema. Um, if it wasn't the movie, it was the game for a lot of people. That game, man. Like, yeah. I, okay, like the controls don't necessarily hold up these days, but still, it. You can't, you can't, you can't deny those experiences. It was like I still say to this day, like people playing online, there's nothing like sitting down with three friends. Oh man, yeah, and finding a tiny little hidey hole and facing yeah. the wall so they can't tell where you are. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 yelling at your friend when he looks at your screen. Yeah, yeah, don't look at my screen. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing quite like that, uh, especially nowadays. Like it used to be, like, oh, go to my go to my neighbor's house at night, hang out with my friends, and we would just play GoldenEye, mm. you know, or any number of co-op games. But GoldenEye is obviously one of those games where you would just get people together, have a blast. Uh, odd job in a stupid hat would be like banned. Yep. <laughs> or the or Scaramango with his stupid golden gun. Oh man, yeah. I I it's been so long since I played that game. I I was tempted to pick up the um the re-release, but I don't know something just kind of stopped. It me. it wasn't good. I heard it wasn't good. It's probably just as well that I didn't pick it up then. Uh, yeah. but, ah, there you go. But yeah, it was uh, one point one million dollars the the budget for Doctor No, uh, which is, I mean, by today's standards, that is nothing at all. But it's still a really sweet movie. It's it made it made fifty nine point five million back. Uh, it did very well. Yeah, so it <laughs> very well. <laughs> it made a ton of money, and it and it was and it was uh, pretty much in every country. It was. It, it was. But um, you know, I, I, there's so much about that movie that I enjoy. Um, like first and foremost, there's this. Which wasn't sung by Ursula Andress. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that song is so simple, but when you hear it, you're whistling it for days afterwards. You, yeah, you really yeah, are. it definitely it gets stuck in your head. Very catchy. Almost as catchy as the actual James Bond theme. Uh, which, spoilers, if I ever get around to doing the, um, the Twitter countdown of favourite Bond films, or if I do it in a blog or something like that, I will tweet a storm about it so people know. The, the James Bond theme is number one. It always will be. I don't care. Um, even if I have another song which is my like my favourite song in the world ever, as far as Bond themes are concerned, the James Bond theme, John Barry's James Bond theme, that is number one. And it if you go off it from a standpoint of like it's a template for all the other themes, mm. then yeah, you you can't you can't deny uh, the importance it has to the series. Yeah. yeah. So but if you're going off influence and how important it is, then yeah, you can't really beat the John Barry James Bond well, theme. It's just that whenever Bond does something which is quintessentially Bondish. You think of the theme. The theme will be used, or you think of the theme. Like, um, Skyfall, um, and, uh, you know, all of the Daniel Craig films, they have that moment where he does something which is just like, man, that is so Bond, and the music kicks in, because they know what they're doing. They realise that that song is just iconic, and it's part that, of the history. That song belongs in every single one of the Bond movies. It does. Um, that song... Not so much the version used for the intro to Doctor No, which cuts out into this weird 
sort of I think you know what I'm talking oh, about. Free We're blind, like halfway in it. Free blind it mice. Whole... Yeah. Um it, <laughs> it changed into free blind mice and it had the uh, the free uh supposedly blind um Jamaican guys kind of like tapping along uh, walking towards the gentleman's club and then obviously taking out the scientist uh which was kind of like the way that that Bond gets brought into it. Um, You're talking about the, like, little Calypso one, right? Yeah. And it's like, you got the dancing uh, girls and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which set the tone in terms of um, just the... In terms of the setting, yeah. Openings and... Yeah, yeah. The the setting of the movie, but also just, like, the Bond openings from from that film onwards. It just set that tone of, we have to do something special with with every opening. And to a lesser or greater extent, they managed that. Um... On Her Majesty's Secret Service, maybe not the best opening in the world. But well, we're a skipping. Good song. We're skipping one opening. Oh, we are. We are. Well, we're yeah, skipping we several openings. We are skipping. Openings. Actually, considered one of the better Connery films uh, from Russia with Love. There we go. Which is a great time to bring this one in. It's Bad Boy. Which this is was... a crooner song. It's definitely Matt Monroe, I believe. The opening. Yes. Although, I don't think they actually used From Russia With Love for the opening. Um, But this is just... It's the title song, you know? It's what I always associate with the theme tune of the the movie. I can't actually remember what they had for the the opening uh, theme of the film. I remember it being an instrumental. Um, But yeah, the singer, if I remember right, is uh, Matt Monroe. Yep. I look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title credit is a instrumental version of the song, which oh, okay. I can't imagine why they didn't use uh, the vocal version. I guess they because just he, it. he it's it's actually really good listening to it now, and it adds something more memorable to it. It's a fantastic song. It really is. I mean, all all of the Connery ones are um, they're iconic, and that's as much because of the man that played the title character as it is the the songs that were used. Um, but I feel that like one without the other, it just wouldn't have worked, you know. Like from Russia with Love as a movie without Sean Connery would not have been the movie that it was. And again, if you actually kind of think about from Russia with Love as a movie, quite simplistic in terms of what it actually does. Um, and yeah, highly. But it, it, it's a very it's a very less is more film. It is, which yes. a lot of the better Bond films kind of follow that. Mm. Uh, I'm just gonna say right now, movies like From Russia with Love, Spy Who Loved Me, yep, um, Casino Royale is almost like a deconstruction with how simplistic it is. Casino Royale benefits from the fact that it's basically a two-hour game of poker. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's very little action in that movie. <laughs> there isn't, but when you do get the action, the tension is so high. Yeah, yeah, they they you know? build it up expertly well. But yeah, I guess, you know we'll get to that eventually. We will, um, we will. I suppose we should move along. Um, well, for now, I'll say I'll say from Russia with Love is uh, honestly it might be Connery's best uh, Bond film. I think you could be right. It, it is. Hand- fact- I will say it is handled in a less cartoony way than you know stuff like Goldfinger. Well, I mean, that was where I was going to kind of step in. <laughs> because Like, Goldfinger is a good movie, but what I'm saying is, like, From Russia With Love is handled with... It does have a certain, like, sophistication. It does. For me, Goldfinger is oh, probably theme. Connery's best movie and an iconic theme tune. It, 
you know, when you were saying earlier that the Bond theme was the uh, you know quintessential thing, a lot of pe- for a lot of people, it's gold. It's the gold uh, finger theme. Mm. This is the first thing they think of. Um, those opening notes. <laughs> you know, when you think of spy movies, it's like, oh, you hear that. Sure, you, you think of Shirley Bassey's voice. You you just yeah. do. You I can't d- help it. We we have and, a com- oh man, we had <laughs> a so good. we had a conversation before where uh, you said something, and I didn't even realize this that the opening kind of couple of seconds of Goldfinger kind of no not up yeah the openings of Goldfinger yeah um were reused like the opening little notes were reused for the opening of License to Kill. Mm. Which is uh, which is Gladys Knight, which we will hear later and um, we'll mention again, so that you guys get the chance. Anyone that is listening, get a chance to kind of compare and contrast. But yeah, Goldfinger, like this, kind of set the template for a vocal Bond theme. Mm. Yeah, and uh, Shirley Bassey has got a quite a history with the Bond franchise. She did three of the songs and could have done a fourth if it wasn't for a few issues that uh, she had pronouncing certain words. Um, I remember, well, it, wasn't it on the BBC, uh, you know, it, Somebody Did It Better podcast it where they basically said that she would have done You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Except that Frank Sinatra kind of persuaded them to give his daughter the shot. It wasn't You Only Live Twice. Um, there, there is a story where uh, Sinatra did actually kind of shoehorn his, his daughter into... Uh, was it his daughter or was Nancy his wife? I Nancy was his daughter, yeah. Nancy was his daughter. Um, he kind of managed to get her in there because funding for You Only Live Twice fell away at the last minute. And so Sinatra, having ties to certain organisations, which I'm not going to mention here, um, may have been instrumental in the getting the funding for that movie to go ahead. And as a result, Nancy Sinatra took over singing You Only Live Twice. I can't remember... It's much to my shame, the name of the singer who originally did You Only Live Twice. But her version is absolutely superb. It is out there. Um, there is a two-disc anniversary it set. Bassey. Um, I, it wasn't. I guarantee it wasn't B- Bassey. Um, Bassey did a Julie version... Julie Rogers. Julie Rogers, there we go. Um, Shirley Bassey did a version of Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Except oh, that yeah. she forgot that apparently how to speak because... <laughs> It, she didn't and, sing it. And. She, yeah, she didn't kiss it. Uh, sing it, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. She sang it, kiss, kiss, bam, bam. Yeah, and that yeah, wouldn't have been such an issue in, for any other song, um, because I'm sure they would have been like, do you know what? That works just as well. Let her go for it. The problem was that the song was based on the Italian name, like nickname for James Bond, which was Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, because the two things he did exceedingly well were womanize and murderize people. Uh, and I've just made that up off the top of my head. It sounds stupid to me now. Um, but it, it makes sense. It works as a nickname perfectly. You know, Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I love that. It, I think it's a fantastic nickname. And actually, speaking of that uh, of that song, I'm just going to try and find it here now. I wish I could find it. Oh, my God. I can't find the You're finding the Bassy version? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, I can't find it at all. How can I not find it? I'm sure I had it. That's weird. Oh, now I'm going to search for it. Mr. Kiss... Okay, there we go. Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Why can't I find it on the actual listing? It doesn't matter. Here it is. It's a very bassy song. Yeah, it's got the horns. It's mm. got the... 
big instrumentation, like when you, like Bassy. <laughs> I, I mean, we're gonna get to it later, but I'm gonna say this right now: Bassy is Bassy songs are weaker when they're not bombastic, mm. you know, like like Moonraker, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll we'll get into later. <laughs> There's the Bam Bam. This is the Shirley Bassey version. Um, but there was another uh, lady who sang it and uh, actually sang it correctly. I believe I might have the version of the soundtrack that has all of the interesting little nuggets that people didn't get access to, the B-sides, if you will. It's worth um, searching out as well, as we've previously mentioned, that BBC podcast, which um, it was on um, iPlayer for a while. Um, it was uh, hosted by Samantha Bond. It was who played Miss Money Penny, of course, in the I think the nineties. Yes, uh, Golden Eye all the way through to um, Die Another Day. I, I believe so. Yeah, um, her run ended with um, Pierce Brosnan's, as did a lot of people's, unfortunately. Um, but at least we got to keep M. For a couple more films, Judy Dench refuses to die. She does. Re- she refuses to die unless the part absolutely demands it. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, when Skyfall came around, it did. Uh, so there we go. But um, from Goldeneye on to probably one of the more famous of the male-led vocals. Um, the strange thing. I mean, is, from Goldfinger. Uh, from Goldfinger yeah. with Shirley Bassey to Thunderball, which is by obviously. Yo, this theme is better than the movie. Mr. Tom Jones. Tom Jones murders himself. <laughs> he actually murders himself. The guy singing is the just, last note. He's just so of Thunderball. good. Basically, if they could get a Welsh singer to do every Bond theme, I would be very happy. Because between Shirley Bassey and Tom Jones, they must have like five. Shirley Bassey is Welsh. She is. Yes, I she's didn't know from that. Um, Tiger Bay uh, in in Wales. Um, She's often called by people around here, and by around here I mean my granddad. Uh, he, he calls her <laughs> Burley Chassis. Uh, Burley Chassis. Yeah, um, which is um, an affectionate nickname. Yeah. But God damn, listen to those pipes. Oh my God, dude, that's my mom's favorite singer. <laughs> I don't blame her. It's not. It's not rare for middle-aged women in America to uh, love Tom Jones. Mainly because he saved the, the United States and indeed the world during the events of Mars Attacks. This is true. <laughs> he did pull that off. Never forget. Um, I'm just going to say, this actually is uh, it's probably in the top five for my Bond themes. It is. I think it is. It's just that good. The only thing is, um, I'm really, like, like it just overshadows the movie so much. Because if you've ever seen Thunderball. Very simplistic. Uh, it's, just, it's just Sean Connery swimming a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's, re- that's basically the whole film. So this song, this fantastic song, mm. sells a sells a very exciting film, and then it's just like yeah, it's just a lot of swimming and diffusing bombs underwater. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I would often be like, "Oh, James Bond's on. Which one is it?" And then if it was Thunderball or Octopussy, I would be like, "Oh, you stick around the for the ones. well for Thunderball. You stick around for the intro, <laughs> and then you tune away." Because yeah. you can't deny Tom Jones. But it's just like, oh, it's a water one. Okay, never mind. It's like, I, ironically, for a secret agent who is a commander in Her Majesty's Royal Navy, he's not very good in the water. <laughs> he's it's just, you know, it's land. just that this type of film doesn't really lend itself to that kind of uh, 
you know, that kind of, I guess, story. No. You know, you want ex you want excitement out of a Bond film. You know, you got from up to this point, you had Doctor No, which which it, it blew up the series. It had but, dragons you know, and uh, nuclear. Yeah, it was reactors. for the time. It was pretty bombastic. Yeah. You get from Russia with Love, which is pretty standard, like really good it's espionage. A very good. Spy then you movie. get Goldfinger's just <laughs> ridiculous fun, cartoonish, over the top, cartoonish supervillain. My name is Pussy Galore. Well, of course it is. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, he said. I think he said, like, I, I must. Be I must dreaming. be dreaming. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Who am I and then, and then from there, you just jump from Goldfinger to Thunderball. It's 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 a step down in quality. I commend them for giving it a try, though. Yeah, I good for them, but um, it didn't quite work. Um, so then on to the aforementioned uh, "You Only Live Twice" by Nancy Sinatra, which this might this might be blasphemy, but I'm not crazy about this theme. Um. Do you know, it's it's a difficult one because I love the orchestration. Like I oh, think yeah, those like strings, the strings are, are great. Um, but and I also love the way that I mean I am a confirmed Japanophile, and I did say Japan. Um, I I just I I love everything about Japan and the way that they this they, song... Im they implemented that kind of um, st style into the music really well. Yeah. But the the way that she sings it compared to Very the, flat. the other girl, it, it is she can't hit the high notes. Well, that's that's the thing is that Nancy Sinatra her her whole like singing career, and I'm not knocking her career, but she was never like a, a, a you know a big singer. She no. was like, if you ever heard if you ever heard these boots are made for walking, it's barely yeah. singing. Yeah, it, it is. Know? It's talking in tune, really. Yeah, it's um, talking in tune. It's 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 a nice beat to it. Although she did that really that cool little song from um, the Kill Bill soundtrack. Um, bang bang, she shot me. But even then, like she's not really like killing it. That's very flat voice. again. But it just it works. I it think suits, it suits it suits the mood of the song. Yeah, yeah. When she gets given a song that suits her voice, she does very well. Um, and I like this song she because I can sing along to here, it. Though. Yeah, she does. I can sing along to this song, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Because no. I feel like I'm doing a good job of singing the song as it was sung originally. Um, I would say the instrumentation of it is a lot more memorable than her voice. It is, but I think... I don't know if John Barry was responsible for this one as well. I feel like he was responsible for all of them up until a certain point. But I don't know when that point was. Yeah, yeah, um, it was composed by Barry. Okay, so, I mean, straight away, if you've got John Barry orchestrating and composing your song, then you've got 50% of it right there, guaranteed smash. You just yep. need a singer who's going to do it justice. And if it wasn't for the funding falling through on the movie, we would have got a very different version of You Only Live Twice. Which again, a very good version. You could hear on the uh, the BBC um, radio documentary, um, Somebody Did It Better. Which, by the way, what a great title for a documentary. Yeah. Like, one of the one of the mo more fun, like, basically podcast documentaries I've heard in a long time. It's so good. I, it's a shame. I, I'm hoping that it appears on YouTube or something like that because once it disappears from iPlayer, um, and I think it might. They just put them, about Do they put it up? There. Do they put them up occasionally or no? Um, no, I don't think they do. Um, the article that I read that linked to it said that it was on iPlayer for the next, like, until the end of that month, and that was it. Okay. So it, it, that's so a shame. until the end of November, most likely. I think so. Yeah. Uh, All right. There we go. Um, so next, we got a change in Bond. Uh, we moved on. I will defend this movie to the death. So the fuck will I? And I'm going to play the song so we can get started on defending it. So 
Oh man, it's a good. I, I'm, song. I'm just I'm just gonna say this right now. You said that the um the Doctor No theme mm. was was you know the best like for you. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think the theme from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, as far as the instrumental Bond themes mm-hmm. goes, um, I love this theme. It's a really really good theme. I, I it's really got a little it. bit of everything that you need from a Bond theme. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, those excellent. horns, and then and then I'm just gonna say right now, if you guys have never heard the Propellerheads version of the song, <laughs> uh, look it up. It's just well, I mean, if if you don't have the patience for like a nine minute version, it's a nine minute version, but it's a good song. It's a very yeah. Good the song. edited version was released as a single, I believe. So yeah. uh, look it up. It should be on YouTube. Um, this theme's just great. It's so good. Like it. Um. Apart from the James Bond theme for Doctor No and from Russia with Love, after that point, every single intro to a Bond theme, uh, to a Bond theme, to a Bond movie was, uh, it was sung. There, there were lyrics, except for this one. And I, I think all you've got is this from Russia and Doctor No. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, every other song has lyrics to it. Um, what I find interesting is that they changed Bond they changed the actor and it almost feels like they were trying to get away from the original Bond theme like they were trying to uh, set up because it wasn't really even though we had four movies at this point or five movies sorry with Sean Connery it almost felt with the introduction of this movie that they were trying to get rid of all of the stuff that made those movies what they were and establish a new theme tune for a new Bond and if it wasn't for the fact that everybody shit all over this movie and he only did the uh, one which film. is which is uh it's very disingenuous because peop- people were mad because Lazenby wasn't Connery but the fact yeah. is like Lazenby was actually really good he was excellent I... if you consider if you consider the fact that like no cuz to me it's like you know Connery's a bond but that's a type of bond you know yeah. like yeah back then people just wanted everybody to be Connery but you know what if that was the case we would have never had Roger Moore Oh god! Yeah, uh, wait until we know? get onto there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, uh, the I good agree. and the bad. I agree because the the thing about um, Lazenby's uh, Lazenby's Bond is that he's very relatable. He's relatable, but uh, also you think about the end of that movie. It was the first time that we had seen Bond as having any kind of emotional attachment to um, the woman in in the movie. Yeah. Um, because before they were just like play things for him to seduce and uh, and, and leave. And and you know the crazy part is you wouldn't see any kind of emotional death from a bond for, up to that level mm. up until uh, I I say it's it's implied with Dalton yeah but possibly, you yeah. definitely see it with Craig in Casino Royale you see it in Casino Royale absolutely which that that says a lot like I think time says a lot about you know older films and how people felt about them yeah like a lot a lot of cult films nowadays were panned back in the day mm. what um, what I find really frustrating though is that. In the very last, in in the last film, the the one just before this, you only live twice. You have Bond getting married, albeit not for a romantic reason to begin with. Although I think he falls for her, and she gets murdered, and you can definitely tell that he might not be as cut up about it as he was in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. But there was definitely like an emotional attachment there that people didn't really slate. Connery for, and the only reason I can think that they allowed... It wasn't his strength, but it was a nice touch. It was a lovely touch, but I, I wonder if maybe the fact that he had four films beforehand, and he was everybody's Bond, people just weren't going to criticise him, regardless. Like, if if he had done 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Would people have given that film such a hard time for the change in direction that they went with for Bond in that movie? I don't think to, they to would. To be honest with you, I think that I had think he done it, range. I think I think had he done it, it wouldn't be the film that we got. No, that and that's very um, true. And that's not knocking Connery, but Different to actors. me, like I, I look at this film and I'm like, Lazenby could have been something fantastic. Mm. And for people to knock him when it, it was his first acting, it was job. his first. Yeah, he was a model. And he did, if you really take that into consideration, he did a commendable job. He really did. And, and that ending that is just, it's, it's it still stands out so much in my head. It's a heartbreaking you know, we have, ending to that and for the, And for it to cut off to another great song. Which we have right here, by the way. Of course. And, and, and the thing I love about this song is it's not necessarily a Bond song, but it's a song that suits the ending. It's not a Bond song in the slightest, but I love it all the same. Because if you, yeah, exactly. If you consider this, like, it's not just the film. People consider Honor Majesty's Secret Service to have the best score, and I think they're probably, if not right, then very close to being right. Yeah, I haven't watched Honor Majesty's in in quite some time, if I'm honest. Probably a year or so, and that for me is a long time for Bond films because normally they run them all leading up to Christmas or you know up to a, a whatever holiday. Um, and I love that time of year. Like, I get a half a year where every Sunday I can turn on ITV and there's a Bond movie waiting for me. I love that. It's fantastic. That sounds you wonderful. You guys are missing out so much on that kind of stuff over there. Um, I know. But I know. <laughs> they do have a DVD collection out there that you can buy to replicate it. So I definitely recommend people buy the Bond 50 set because I have it on Blu-ray and it's just, it's a godsend. You can just watch what you want when you want, however many times. Um... But man, I'm getting goosebumps listening to this song. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's Louis Armstrong. Who would have thought Louis Armstrong? With lyrics would do a song by Burt Bacharach, mind you. Burt Bacharach, good lord. Yeah. Oh man. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. But the thing is, I feel like Louis Armstrong could sing the phone book. And oh yeah. He would do it in such a way. He's got that gravelly voice. I love a Those bit pipes. of Satchmo. Those oh. pipes, man. So good. You know, not everybody had like like. That's a little variety to the singers of of Bond themes because there has like, been a lot of variety over the years. No, but up until Louis, they didn't really have someone who had that like gravelly voice. They didn't really, you know. Well, they have. They wanted had more of the fairness, unless you can't. They Louis wanted Louis. more of the bombastic <laughs> Welsh style, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like what? he's not a powerful singer, but he's got that gravity. He's an emotional singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Tom Jones has the same strength. Mm. You know, because like <laughs> we're going to talk about him later, but we have there's a certain singer by the name of Stan Smith who has about no emotional depth to his voice at all. Jesus fucking Christ, that guy! Oh my god! You know, so if you com- if you were to look at that song and you would compare it to something like "We Have All the Time in the World," yeah. there's no comparison. There, there really isn't. There isn't. You know, and yeah. apparently I'm looking at up on Wiki, but when uh, when Armstrong was recording the song, he was ill and he still did it in one take. Do you know, it kind of sounds, and like I, I know that he went on for a, a, a time afterwards, but it feels like the sort of song that someone records on their way out. Like, you know, like Queen, um, Freddie Mercury, the, the last single that they released. Um, yeah. It, it felt like a goodbye. Um, there's just that kind of emotional um, kind of kick to, to, like, punch to the gut that 
comes with, with that Queen video. Yeah. And no, and that's the thing is like songs like that uh, and songs like this, because uh, when you consider like, I, I know people like because some of the last stuff Queen did before, well, before Freddie died was, uh, if I remember the Highlander soundtrack, right? They did people, do some People remember around. those songs outside of that movie. Mm. Mm. You know, a kind of magic. Like if you were to ask people to be like, oh, that's a great Queen song. You don't think of it as a song from Highland. Mm. You know, and it's the same with this song. If we have all the time in the world, people just remember that as a really, really good song. Yeah, man. And I that love, says a lot about it. I love Queen. I wish they would have done a Bond theme. Well, we got the Highlander album from them. so And the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Yes, yes, we did. It's not a bad trade-off. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, you well. know. And meanwhile, Shirley Bassey got to do uh, her second song for the Bond franchise. when um... Another song that's a lot better than the movie. Uh, true, true. And this was uh, Connery's kind of last Bond movie. He came back. His last official uh, yeah. Eon Productions Bond true. film. True, and I'm, we're not going to talk about the other one. No. I think, no. So, uh, of course, uh, it was Diamonds Are Forever, uh, which... Great, God damn, great sampling Kanye, by Kanye West. Kanye knows a good song when he... He like, knows a damn good song when he, when he, when he sings, I when, when he samples it. I when I listen to this song, I kind of hear Kanye in the background now. <laughs> yeah, I always expect the drums to kick in. Yeah. At this point, because... Uh, and I guess that that's to his credit, because he oh, definitely yeah, did yeah. what he what he could mm. with that sample. But what I love about the opening to this song... Um, Diamonds Are Forever is a... It, it's a, an Earth-based movie, but it has a space element to it. And it yeah, feels... it's not it's not as silly as Moonraker. No, nowhere near as, um, silly as Moonraker. But there are people there were people who didn't like that Moore was so like campy. I am not a big people fan of forget people forget Diamonds was extremely campy. But somehow it kind of fit into um, Connery into into his world. Like it didn't feel. I know, I know it definitely was campy. I'm not going to argue that at all. But it didn't feel like it was out of his realm of of I don't even know how to say what I'm saying. No, he ne- he never <laughs> felt out of place. No. No. Um it's just that the actual like film itself is a little bit over the top, mm. especially if you're coming off Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's the, that one's still a little over top. That's that's you well, know what you expect yeah, from the Bond. Yeah, the idea but... of hypnotizing a bunch of women and then using a uh, a, a compact to contact them and, and tell them to release their nerve gas. It's a, a little bit. Far-fetched. It's a bit much. Yeah, a little bit far fetched. Um, Just a bit much. Uh, I think this is this is a different Blofeld, if I remember too, in this one. Yeah, this was because he changed. They changed the the, the actor a few times. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when Donald Pleasance came in. I think it may have been Diamonds Are Forever. No, Diamonds Are Forever was Charles Gray. Oh, was it? Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, um, Pleasance... Blowfelds mixed up. You got your Blowfelds mixed up? Yeah. That needs to be slang for something. Was he in the... You Only Live Twice? Was he in the opening to that where he killed... No, no, that wasn't him, was it? I actually like Telly Savalas as Blofeld in uh, Majesties. I, yeah, he wasn't bad in it there, was he? That that to me that's that's the more memorable one, but again, like that movie like it, it felt a little bit more serious. I've always been a, a sucker for the Donald Pleasance Blofeld. 
Um, the Donald mainly, Pleasance. Yeah, and, and when you think of the fact that... Um, that was uh, You Only Live Twice. It was You Only Live Twice, okay. Um, when you think that that facial scar has become almost like the uh, the iconic thing, along with the uh, the Cantonese kind of collarless uh, suits, uh, it's become his calling card to an extent, along with the white cat. Like, no, you, you can't gave, forget. Yeah, can't it, gave forget us, uh, it gave us... Uh... Cy- uh, cyberpunk dystopia Robotnik. <laughs> it, it, it gave us Doctor Evil. Yeah. It gave us the claw from Inspector Gadget. I'll get you next time, Gadget. That's pretty good. Yeah, it hurts my throat though. So I can hard. imagine. Jeez. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, it's it's just an iconic villain. Mm-hmm. And Diamonds is an iconic song. And as you say, I, I think yeah, probably a better song than the movie that it goes with. Uh, but I mean, still, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a, a film that has. It's a film. <laughs> yeah, it like like it's it's memorable. It's memorable, and maybe uh, not for the right reasons, but it's certainly memorable. It's certainly not one of the worst films, but uh... I do think I do think a lot of people like warmed up to Lazenby afterwards mm. with diamonds, yeah. um, if only because after. After Majesty's Secret Service, you watch Diamonds and you're like, "Well, this is uh... different." <laughs> yeah, I, kind of, um, I much, I much preferred the other guy. Now, if, you know? if we're gonna go talking about how things kind of like went off the rails a little bit, oh Jesus, we need to talk talking about... about Sheriff Pepper, right? Yep. <laughs> but again, what a fucking song. You know, it, it only took so long. It only took so long for um, for a Beatles Bond to films involved. to really get that American stereotype down. <laughs> what are you doing, boy? <laughs> I just, oh, I was like, man, you didn't spare no punches there. Oh, and the fact that he appeared in multiple fucking movies as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. He's a central Bond character to Jesus. the more. He's been in as many <laughs> Bond movies as Jaws. Let's think about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck me, this song. Oh, well, you know, this is another one of those songs where, like, people just know it because it's a damn good song. Oh, my God. Like, that just, that's a punchy. You know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a sizable uh, Beatles fanatic. Mm. Uh, Paul, Paul McCartney was the better songwriter. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but John Lennon is a bit overrated. I... Uh, and you really only have to look at what they did after they split up. Yeah, I I think John uh, Lennon probably has the best song of all of them. If you think Imagine really is a, a really really Imagine's good a good song. song, but it's it's I I keep every time I hear it I think to myself at some point someone was gonna write that song. Yeah, probably, but it was Lennon. You know, you got to be a good eh. songwriter to write that song first. But that's for, true, I guess. But it's like work, look, if you compare Imagine to Live and Let Die, I. I <laughs> for for content, for content, yeah, I guess Imagine's uh, a more meaningful song. But Live and Let Die is just so freaking good. It is. It's a proper Bond theme. It's got it. It you can. I think it was the loudest up to that point. It goes through every stage. It's got the quiet yeah. opening. It's got the big strings. It's got the kind of car chase moment, like the it's got the tension. It basically tells the story of the movie. It does, which is. Something that more of these songs could do with doing, as we'll get to yeah. with a certain song that got stolen off of KD Lang. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this song, and as a Guns N' Roses fan, I love Oh man, as well. that cover. 
That's such a good cover. Like, I, I, oh man, I, I'm just gonna say this right now because this is in defense of Guns N' Roses. Because I know way too many people who are like, oh, hair metal was awful. Hair metal was awful. No, it wasn't. You gotta consider that Guns N' Roses came in at the tail end of hair metal. Yeah. And they weren't popular because of hair metal. They were popular because, despite that, they made some damn good music. I mean, they were a punk band. Well, they were technically two punk bands to begin with. Yeah. Um, like, if, like honestly, uh, to me, a lot of people love, uh, you know, Appetite for Destruction. I think Use Your Illusion One and Two are mm. a friggin' masterpiece. I mean, I grew up on Appetite for Destruction. Like that was the album that I had. But oh, Use it's Your great. Illusion, it's just perfectly set up album from yeah. beginning to end. I mean, a little bit older, finding Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 and listening to those. Civil War is my favorite Guns N' Roses song. Man, oh. I don't know if that's even in my top three. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. man. We got, we got to talk about that again at some point. Oh, then. we will. We will. Um, right, so we've got a singer over here by the name of Lulu, right? Oh, God damn it. And she won a talent contest in the UK, like literally... No, that was Sheena Easton. I'm getting my... <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I'm uh, I'm, my girls I, I'm just, I was going to say this. Lulu's uh, Man with the Golden Gun mm. is ironically enjoyable. It's very strange. It starts off like a proper Bond theme. It's got the strings. It's got the horns. It's got the Well, pacing. I mean, that, that, that's... This movie starts off as a proper Bond theme, and then it just <laughs> it turns into <laughs> Again, a Bruce the, the Lee movie. The song tells the story of the movie. Yeah, it t does turn into a Bruce Lee movie at some point with all those mirrors. Yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> but I love it's the another one of those story that's told by this song. Oh yeah, yeah he um, charges a million a shot. Blah blah blah. Yeah, this this um this sounds very much like what I guess a Bond theme should sound like. It's got the right elements, and I think that's a yeah. key thing for a Bond film. Uh, for a Bond theme, it has to have at least a certain number, and I don't know how many that number is. This is just a bullshit conversation, but this is the bit that's weird. What the fuck is this? <laughs> and then it launches straight back into being a Bond theme. Um, but yeah, it, need, it needs just, a certain uh, number. It, it's a little strange. It needs a certain number of things to make it a proper decent Bond film. I think that I I will say right now uh, I actually am a big fan of the uh, Alice Cooper version. I've heard it. I I like the song, but I don't think it works as a Bond theme. I mean, you know what? I would have given it a pass with this movie because for <laughs> anyone who doesn't know, this is a strange Bond film. It's really fucking weird. It's almost like a parody of Bond films. Well, Nick Knack, in and of, uh, of himself, being an actual threat at any point during this movie, that's not a thing that should happen. I'm sorry. I, I know that comes across as, as awful because, you know, like I'm being sizes or whatever. It's but. just strange. This is actually the fourth lowest grossing Bond film in the series. Uh, although it did make money because it's a Bond film, you know. Mm. Um, Christopher Lee was great. Because he's Christopher Lee, despite his, uh, I think, third nipple, was it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah the tertiary <laughs> nipple. For any for anyone who's never seen Man with the Golden Gun, it is... It's fucking weird. But it has... Just, I don't know if it was trying to be a comedy or serious. I don't know. Just... I, what I do like about it is the fact that Bond was always the one that had the gadgets. And in, in this movie, suddenly, the bad guy got the gadget. 
and he's got yeah. multiple the gadgets. concept is really neat like the concept of the gun is fantastic the idea it it's not just the concept of the gun things. it's the idea of like oh here's the world's greatest spy versus the world's greatest assassin yeah uh you do that with a type of like craig film or a dalton like that 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 is money mm. that's a really neat concept and you know you could definitely put a good that, that'd be a good bond action film mm. right yeah yeah I'm not sure about the old, uh, the idea of having a car with uh, wings on top of it and a rocket propeller. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that aerodynamics work like that. But no, um, it was uh, that's, cool again, anyway. that's kind of the magic of Man with the Golden Gun. True. Is that you kind of watch this movie, like, if this is your first uh, impression of Bond, <laughs> I'd recommend you, keep, you, you check something else out before you write off the Bond series. Yeah. Yeah. Um such as possibly the movie that this came from. Oh man. What a, like what a great follow up to a weird weird film. Mm. Carly Simon ladies and gentlemen. I can barely hear it but it's still so powerful. It's a very I'm going to turn it up a little bit because it's a very quiet song. Yeah. Uh this is arguably the best Bond I think depending on what you want from a Bond theme, then you've you've got an argument there, definitely. It's definitely to me. It's it's probably the best intro sequence. I would agree. The With, silhouettes, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. This is for me, like when I think of watching Bond films as a kid, and and seeing all of the kind of semi-naked women and the silhouettes and everything. This is that, what I that shot. Of. That shot of um that little silhouette of the of him with the girl, and she's got like you know the the Cossack hat on. Yeah. She pulls the gun on him. He just he just grabs her hand and pulls her down. I'm like, that's Bond, man. Yeah. And I love the fact that even though this is the theme tune from The Spy Who, Who Loved Me and it has that name in the lyrics. It's its own song. It's its own song, yeah. It doesn't really I do want to say this. There's a great cover of this song by Radiohead. Uh, it's a live cover and it's on YouTube. So if anybody wants to hear that, Tom York kills it. Search that uh, shit out. When asked when asked why he covered that song, why they did it, because Tom York basically said because it's the sexiest song ever written. He's not wrong. <laughs> it's pretty damn sexy. Yeah. This is lovemaking music, people. Me, you just listen to the lyrics. This is basically Bond at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm keeping so it up British until up until up, the sir. Christmas puns. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to you, Brosnan. Don't worry. And yeah, you know, just just. On that kind of whole Roger Moore being the ladies' man thing, I love this era of Bond because of the fact that at the end of every movie it was just like, right, and now I'm going to have sex. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but that's that's the thing is, um, you know, when looking back on Moore, like, because people did get tired of it. Yeah. But yeah. for the seventies, man, what a fun. What a fun series. I think he was around for maybe two or three too many movies. And, you know, he was the oldest Bond by far. Yeah, um, but it, it, it was more of an instance of they, they couldn't find anybody. True, true. And the, you know. the, the tone of the movies, they... Because he, he set up a good tone with, um, with uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, yeah. It's not fair to hold Man with the Golden Gun. It's not fair to hold him responsible for that. Well, he he's not the man that writes the scripts. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the script writers maybe were guilty of pigeonholing a little bit and seeing what he was good at doing and like the eyebrow and stuff and just being like, yeah, we'll just do that. Um, this movie kind of does 
it does almost everything right. Mm. And this theme does too. It's a very good theme. Um, as is the theme for the next movie that he appeared in, which was a fucking strange film. But at the same time, it was a lot of fun. Are you talking about Moonraker? Yeah. And what you know the only you know the only reason this movie exists, right? Uh, you're gonna have to tell me. It's because of the success of Star Wars. Fuck. Because you remember at the end of uh, yeah. Spy Who Loved Me, it says Bond will return in for your eyes only, right? Mm. Yeah, that that got sidelined because Star Wars was so successful. They were like, no, we're making a space one. Jesus Christ. Uh, Moonraker is a lot. It it's a lot like um. Man with the Golden Gun. Mm. Uh, it's a lot better. I'm just going to say that right now. It's a silly movie. It is a silly movie. Actually, it's closer to, it. to Diamonds, wouldn't you they, say? They, um, in terms of the fact that it's kind of about a space, space born, thing. Yeah, it, it's a space-born threat to mankind and Bond trying to sort it out. The only difference being that apparently now the American army have uh, rockets that are ready to fly out on a moment's notice and laser guns, which I... Mm, it's a bit of a push for me. You know, I feel like the intro to the film sets it up perfectly because the first shot of the intro is just, you see Roger Moore parachuting, yeah. like a little silhouette thing, yeah, and yeah. he looks so confused. <laughs> and that's basically what this movie is. Uh, he's an old man in his incontinence. He's pants. an old man and he doesn't want to do this. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh, dear. It but, gets worse over time, but especially you know, with... Um, is it Drax... Yeah, it's Drax. It's Drax. I mean, this, and I think Jaws is, is in this movie too. This is probably the second best Drax in movies. Um, in fact, I can guarantee it's the second best Drax because Dave Bautista did a much better version uh, <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy. But he's a really fucking good villain. Like, I, yeah. I love this idea um, I would of the guy. With I would say a lot of, of even the worst Bond films have really cool villains. I I can tell you one film which we will talk about because I think we're going to end up talking about all of them. Um, but one film that did not have a good villain is um, Tomorrow... Is it Tomorrow Never Dies or The World Is Not Enough? God damn it. What was the one with Jonathan Tomorrow Price, Never Dies was the one with the Rupert Murdoch send-off? Yeah, that was it. Jonathan you didn't like the Rupert Murdoch send-off? Jonathan Price just isn't threatening. No. And no, he had they, the they muscle well, to him. Honestly, I, I, the whole time I'm watching that, I'm like, if they wanted a uh, Rupert Murdoch, they should have just got someone crazy like Bob Hoskins to do it. <laughs> I would have loved that. That would have been fun, right? In the movie. Yes, or you know they could uh, go back to uh, the uh, the casting director of um, Live and Let Die and just say, right, you know who we need to get. I can't remember his name now. But uh, Yafet Koto. The, no, the bad the bad guy from um, Live and Let Die, whose name I should not forget, but I criminally have done. Wasn't that Yafet Koto? No, wasn't Live and Wait, shit, hang on. What was the one with Grace Jones in it? Oh, Christopher Walken, Christopher you two Walken. will kill. Fuck, that film didn't even happen for another four years. Oh, god damn it. Yeah. I'm at, it's late over here, that's my excuse. It's half past no, one. No, I got morning. you, I got you. No, but it's the same kind of thing where like, the villain works. Yeah. Even if the movie doesn't. Yeah, well, I, 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 they should have got Christopher Walken for Moonraker instead of you to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> this is what should I, have You know what, I, I do want to say this about the Moonraker theme, because at first I wasn't very fond of it. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of, like eventually it grew on me and it does kind of have that spacey feel to it. It grows on you. It's very laid back. It does it does grow on you. Very laid um, back. It's very laid back. It's nice to have Bassie like sort of take a seat back for a bit. Mm. 
I think know? it shares a lot with Diamonds Are Forever in terms of obviously they're both Shirley Bassey uh, songs. Yeah, but Diamonds Diamonds has this tension that Moonraker doesn't. It does, but Diamonds also has that airy feeling at the very beginning, which I think oh, Moonraker yeah. carries the whole way through. Um, it's a it's a lovely lovely song for a film that probably should not have been made. <laughs> yeah, but I like much. I I I'll always remember that um, that scene of him uh, being flown into the compound. And uh, oh, just like the the scale of it all was just ridiculous. Well, even even the most grounded Bond films have some measure of stupidity. I'll get in. I guess we'll I, I'll talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll get to License to Kill later. We will. We will. Um, but for now, we need to talk about Sheena Easton. Oh, that's a great song. Oh yes, that's a really good song, and I'm glad she won that contest. She's just. She's a lot bigger over there than she is over here, I think, right? Like she She's she, better uh, known. Better known. She never really took off. She like had she a career have. here. Um yeah, did she? she yeah, yeah, she was um, like she was kinda of big in the eighties. She had some singles. She probably did better in the US than she did in the UK. I don't know. I, I feel like we probably know her name bet more, but you guys probably bought more bought more of her records. That might have been it. Because that does happen <laughs> sometimes. And I know you guys have been trying to like you guys have been trying to like leave Rita Ora over here for a long time, yeah, trying and failing. But I don't. Yeah, I don't we we don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think we want her. I don't mind Rita Ora. I'll take her back. No, but you know what it is like. They keep sending. Every once in a while, the UK will send this pop star over to the US. And yeah, and if we're lucky, either they make it big or they don't. You, they either make it big or they get shot. Yep. So I'm just, just going to say, you know, like you you send over all of those famous uh, stars like Frank Sinatra and. Elvis Presley and we take them to our hearts and then we send you John Lennon and he ends up dead. So, I, you know, not saying that you to guys are... To be fair, like, he moved to like 1970s New York. Yeah, it's very true. He, he lasted know, so. until 1980, so he did quite well. Although he wasn't shot, he wasn't shot by like a actual like criminal guy or anything. He was shot fan. by this weirdo. He was shot by a fan. With yeah. fans like that, who needs fucking enemies? Anyway, um, Sheena Easton, beautiful, beautiful song. Beautiful and, voice. Uh, yeah. Uh, great Bond theme. Another one where the intro just works so well with the with the song. Basically. Um, this is actually the only intro where she where the singer shows up. That's true. I'm or is it? Hang on. This I, I do want to say this song wasn't done by Barry. No. Uh, it no. was done by Bill Conti. It's a beautiful song nonetheless. Well, if you recognize the name, he did Gonna Fly Now from Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really good at that whole inspirational thing. <laughs> um, I, I Honestly, I don't have a lot more to say about this. It's just, it's a really solidly good theme. It, it is a very good... Uh, I'd very put good. it actually pretty... I, I'd put it close to um, the type of theme that... Uh, spy, you know, uh, Nobody Does It Better is. Yeah, I would say that's the only weakness it has is it's a little too similar to that one. It is, but I, you're going to come to a point where you've done all the genres and you're going to get some crossover. Um, yeah. And maybe it's just the fact that those two films were very close to each other that it feels kind of a little bit samey. But I do like the Blondie version. Yeah, the Blondie's uh, version is pretty cool. I, I haven't heard all of it. I've only heard like a, a segment of it. 
but it, I like the. I will say I like this one more, but I do like the Blondie version. Of it's the, a very Blondie song, though. It has yeah, that. Like sound. all their songs. Like all their songs, it's a very Blondie song. Um, but yeah, really, really nice song. Sheena Easton really deserved to have a crack at it, and uh, she's going to be preserved for all time now as yep. one of those people that was lucky enough and good enough to sing a, a Bond theme. And a good Bond theme, by the way, because not everyone manages that. As opposed <laughs> to the next one? Well, I like Rita Coolidge. I like Rita Coolidge, too. I'm There's just, just one sure problem I have works. with All Time High. It's it's really, it, it's really nice elevator music. It is very in the background, isn't it? It's just... I mean, I know Octopus. I know Homer Simpson likes Octopussy. Well, there's you know, eight of them. Would... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, oh, but problem is, the film loses me straight away because it's Octopussy. Um, yeah. And I do say I like the intro, like the visuals in the intro. Mm. You know, because you got Bond there, and you got the hands, the eight hands going, you know, going on him. So it goes with the theme. Yeah, I think it's another one that works really well uh, with the the theme of the song and the the opening titles really work well together. Oh, but absolutely! Uh, the actual opening intro music. sequence looks neat. Mm. It's just like "All Time High," I guess, is a fine song, but it's just so in the background, like you said, it's it's elevator music. Yeah. It feels like the kind of thing that you'd hear sung during a 1980s B movie. Yeah. Like a. Uh, yeah, this could have been in like. If Top Gun was a lot more boring. <laughs> you know. Um. I, then again, I just watched Top Gun recently, and I can't imagine mo- that movie sounding boring. No. It's it's subliminally gay, and that's okay. <laughs> Uh, if you ever heard Quentin Tarantino talk about that, the reason that it's okay is because I was inverted. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. If, I, I, I don't know if that, when the fuck you can ride my tail anytime. <laughs> when the fuck did that meme turn up? It's like how could you see him if you were above him? Because I was inverted. Oh whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, you're that guy. Yep. The fuck I am. Uh, okay, so I, I guess we're done with Rita Coolidge. Sorry, Rita. There's not a lot of... Rita, you're okay. It's um, a good song, but hope... it's just not Bond. No, it's, it's not. Still, it's still it's better than Sam Smith. It's an 80s montage song or 80s like romance theme. Yeah, it would work very well as kind of end theme credits to Romancing the Stone or something like that. Yeah, that's actually encapsulates it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so should we move on to one of the best themes? abso fucking lootly. Oh, man. This is my top five. Yeah, this is... It's in there. It's top three for me. There's... I, I can't think of a catchier Bond theme. Did you get to turn it up a bit, actually? I'm going to turn it up. Because I, I want to I hear the hell out of it right now. Oh, man, his voice, too. It just works so well. You know, and there were people who were scared that Duran Duran's <laughs> version was going to be bad. Oh, man. Duran Duran don't do anything bad. How dare no, they? No, they're, they're, you know what? They're one of the few new wave bands who just were solid from beginning to end. Hmm. So it's a great song. Oh my god. So um, I'm scared of it's just, it, you know, and you know what? It adds, it, it feels a lot more of the time than the previous ones because it's a new wave song. Yeah, it's got that sound to it. It's got that kind of synth running through it. It's and he's, very his basic. His voice is fantastic too. 
Well, this is something that he's got a very kind of high pitch voice, which is something yeah, but, that Sam Smith has as well. But the difference. But he has emotion behind it. Exactly. That's the difference. Is that there's range there, and there's passion, yeah. and he's pushing there's... himself, and you feel like he's about to break, but he pulls it back. And the song suits the voice, and the song suits Bond. I would put it like this. Sam Smith sings to a point where his voice gives off it gives off the illusion that it's perfect, right? Yeah. That he's hitting all the proper notes. But that doesn't lend itself to an emotional delivery. No. He's very he's very robotic. He's very monotone. There's no emotion coming out of that song. Mm. Uh, if you want to find a singer to compare him to, which is the same style, listen to James Blake. Yeah. Uh, who is a lot more experimental with his music, but he doesn't just sing, he also produces. So you can forgive him if he's a little monotone at times. Mm -hmm. But you never get that because his voice is very wavery. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to talk about robotic, wait until we get to die another day. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah, like... But yeah, Duran Duran, um, like, like you said, he can't hit every single note, right? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, he doesn't need to because... He makes up for it with just his delivery. Mm. He makes up for it with the approach that he comes to the song with and just how emotional it sounds. And it's tense and it has that right feeling to it, you know? Mm. Yeah. I just fucking love this song. I love this movie. It's such a fucking nuts movie. It is. It's such <laughs> it a, is one of those, uh, and it's what the one hell of happened? the most American of all of the, uh, of all of the Bond movies. I would say it's one of the weakest Bond films, but it certainly has enjoyable moments. I think um, Grace I do Jones think just... this is the greatest discrepancy between. Well, I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen Spectre yet. Okay. But putting that into consideration, this to me is the biggest discrepancy between really, really good theme and at least a movie. Mm. You know, but like I said, Laban just. Oh my God, he kills it! He kills it. Because he has the same kind of voice as Smith, really, when you think about it. He but, does. Uh, He's got that same kind of uh, higher kind of uh, tone. But he, he goes he goes more places with it. Mm. Even He's though he, more can't, he doesn't quite have the range, you know? Yeah. Um, so there you go, View to a Kill. Quite possibly one of the worst Bond movies, but one of the best themes. <laughs> Basically. It's, but uh, I fucking... It's... I love just a great, great song. I love a view to a kill. There's something about Grace Jones killing somebody with a butterfly <laughs> on the end of a fishing. Would anybody rod. else like to leave the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, there's there's memorable moments. There's a lot of fun to be had with view to a kill. Mm. Um, I, I think that that's the secret to the Roger Moore movies is that if you can just enjoy them for what they are, yeah, then you get a lot more fun out of them. But if Basically. you try to be an earnest kind of film fan and you're trying to be a very kind of earnest Bond fan, you're not going to enjoy them. And unfortunately, that makes up for a lot of Bond movies that you're not going to enjoy. Because yeah. he did, what, seven or something? He did. He, I think he had the longest run. He did. He, well, let's, yeah. let's do the count up. Um, James Bond, you're Batman. <laughs> uh, wow. Live and Let Die. Man with Golden Gun. Nobody does it better. Moonraker, that's four. For your eyes only. For your eyes only. All time. For Octopussy. Octopussy, that's six. It's like seven, Kill isn't was it? Seven. Yeah, seven movies. Longest run is Bond. You're never going to see someone else do seven Bonds. I guarantee. Nope. I don't. Never going to happen again. It they wanted. I think they wanted um, 
Craig to do them, but he said fuck it. He's contracted for another one, but I think he'll get out of it. He really doesn't want to do it. No, and I wouldn't blame them for releasing him from the contract if he feels that way. Because he has said no. he'd only do it for the money. But having said that, he's an actor. Actors do jobs for the money and do good jobs for that for the money. So No, but there there's you hear a lot about actors who are like, you know, they're contractually obligated to finish a series. I remember there was a thing with Pattinson and Twilight. Mm. He fucking hates Twilight. He's got good reason he, to as well. He despises Twilight. He hates that he has to do those films. Um he should have And if you've ever seen him in anything up. else, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah, he um unfortunately I feel like because he went straight from Harry Potter and into Twilight, it feels like he's been pigeonholed as being one of these kind of tween age heartthrob movie kind of guys. Yeah. And, and if you've ever seen him in an interview, he's he's not that at he's all. He's so much better than that from what I've seen of him. I haven't yeah, seen him in he, much. He, like it's it's a very sad case of like here's a guy who's a really talented actor mm. forced to basically lower his abilities to Damn be shame. in these films, you know? Damn shame. Yeah. One day uh, but so I, I can't necessarily blame Craig for wanting to get out of it, you know? No, I can understand um, it. But at the same time I'm just like you only get this gig once, you know? That's true. That's true, but you know, it's it's uh some some it's better it's you know, it's better to burn out than fade away sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like, like it was like the thing that happened with Moore. You know, Moore just stuck around a little longer than he should have. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then and then moving on to the next Bond we got, he wasn't around for very long, but he was pretty freaking memorable. I fucking love this Bond. I Mainly am because... a big proponent and fan of Timothy Dalton. Oh, you James. and me both. You and me both. Because without him, and... there is no Daniel Craig. Exactly. Not in and the way this that we theme, see This theme is an underrated gem. I'm just a big fan of the 80s themes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's safe to say. But the thing is, like, this theme... It's one of the few uh, non-English-speaking bands to do a Bond theme. Yep. Because it's AHA. Yeah. And they are from, I think, Sweden? I think so. If you don't know who AHA are, basically, if you've ever heard Take On Me... It's uh, them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Yeah, they, they basically did the song Take On Me. It's a really popular mm. one-hit wonder. Uh, they are a good band, if you've ever heard any of their other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're it's Norwegian, sorry. It's, it's a um, very good song. Yeah, it's and and they, they're a pretty good band. Mm. Uh, but they never really blew up outside of Norway. With no, the exception of no. a few one-hit wonders. I think Take On Me this... got everyone's attention, but apart from that, Living Daylights really is the only song that most people will be familiar with of theirs. And it's a shame. And that's... But... Yeah, but that being said, this song sounds great. It is. I, I think the vocals are maybe... If I'm going to be super critical, I feel like the vocals are a little bit wispy. They are. They um, are. Um... But... I'm not crazy about the vocals, but the instrumentation is really tight. Very, very. And again, it speaks of the 80s. It's got a very similar kind of feel as A View to a Kill did in that you know where this era is. Like, you you, you feel it, you know? The, the instruments, the way that it's written, the way it's put together, it's just very 80s. That drum in the background, it's a very tight, like, electronic drum. I love that. I, I do want to say that um, you say that about the, you know, the vocals being wispy. Um, Only in the chorus. I think it suits. No, but I think it suits the movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because, I, because the, this Bond is a very 
they, they wanted to tone down a lot of the sillier aspects. They wanted to ground it in reality a bit yeah, more. He's a very guttural kind of Batman Begins version of Bond. Well, even then, he's not necessarily guttural. Like, people said, oh, he's gritty, oh, the film's too violent. But honestly, if you watch the film back, it's it's nothing that... It's not as violent as, like, a, a Brosnan film. I, I think that maybe when people think of it as being a violent film, they're letting License to Kill colour their judgement of it. Because License to Kill is a very tense, re- yes. revenge-driven movie. And, you know, you kind of... Because of the fact that... Timothy Dalton's run as Bond was so short, criminally short, to be honest. Um, you kind of you can't think of one film without the other. Even now, sometimes I get the two films mixed up a little bit in terms of what's going on with which film. I can tell them apart. Um, oh, I can tell them apart from the basis that know. one's a revenge film in Cuba and the other one is set in mid- the Middle East. Um, <laughs> but um, sometimes it can be difficult to remember which one was which. And then you just remember, oh, License to Kill, that's the one where he had to lose his license and then he went and killed someone anyway. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which, uh, apparently, interesting little fact, which everyone should know probably if they've seen the the documentaries that led up to the 50th anniversary, License to Kill was originally going to be called License Revoked. Yeah, but but because Americans don't know what that means. Yeah. (laughs) So they they changed changed it. it to License to Kill. So Which is we, actually a basically that got rid of a ton of posters and promotional material. Oh yeah, yeah, because they made a last-minute decision to change it. Uh, if you can find like the posters and stuff, they look fantastic, and probably worth quite a bit of money as well. Oh yeah, they must be insanely rare. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, license. Eh. Living daylights. Good song. Good. Song. Very underrated Bond film for a long time, but I think now people are starting to warm up to it. And I think it's mainly due to the fact that Daniel Craig has, yeah, yeah, he's opened people's eyes to the fact that this kind of Bond actually, you know, I, I feel like Timothy Dalton's version of Bond is almost as close, if not closer, than the Connery version in terms of the original character. Like the, he's a bit more, uh, he, he's a bit more emotional. I f- yeah. Yeah, but I, but, I but not that. in a way that he's like overtly emotional. More in a sense of like, oh, he's he he can talk about things, and there's little implications. Like I forget if it's in uh if it's I think it's in Daylights where uh, Felix Slider's talking to his wife. It's either it's either in that Daylights or License, but it's basically license if it's Felix, I don't know. It's basically an implication that, like, oh, he doesn't like... Like, she asks him, oh, where's his girlfriend or something like that? And he's like, oh, he doesn't like talking about that. Which is an implication that ties back to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was. She was like, oh, wasn't he married once? I think that must be License to Kill just Yeah, it was the beginning the... of License, yeah, yeah. I think. But yeah. it's little things like that that... It's really nicely done. Give Dalton's bond a little bit more weight, you know? Gives him some depth, like, psychologically, why he finds it difficult to commit... Which was missing yeah. beforehand. You know, before Majesty's Secret Service, you didn't really know why he was the way he was. He just was like that. And then you got Majesty's, and then uh, basically you go through all the more films, which completely ignore that. <laughs> uh, and that's fine. I've got a and- magnetic watch. I'm going to uh, undo the zip of your dress now. Do you mind? I share a birthday with Roger Moore, you know. Do you really? October 14th. <laughs> I share a birthday with Roger Moore and Stacey Keebler. Oh, you lucky bastard. And I think Usher. 
Ah, the best I can manage is Matthew Flamini. Nobody knows who that is. He's an Arsenal midfielder. I, I don't. He's a, he's a footballer. Um, he's kind of like the... Um, if you imagine uh, Vinnie Jones, everybody's favourite psychopath. Everybody's favourite uh, seemingly charming award presenter. <laughs> yeah. If you imagine him, uh, but take away a little bit of the um, the psychopath and throw in a Roman nose and you've you've basically got Matthew Flamini. Uh he's he's a very in your face uh footballer. He he doesn't you know, I know you shit. said I know you said Roman, but I instantly thought of the Caesar haircut, so a picture of Noel Gallagher <laughs> popped up in my head. <laughs> no, he doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> no, but I just thought of the Caesar haircut. Oh dear. Um Should right. we move on to uh one of the better one of the better songs? Absolutely. Gladys fucking night. And that license to kill that that opening shows up again. Yeah, there's that Goldfinger, and then there's Gladys. My God, we got Gladys Knight in a Bond movie. Yeah, can, wearing even, a suit. Twenty, thirty years later, can you believe it? Still, like, God damn, this girl's got pipes. Oh my God, yeah. Well, you know, she's a legend, man. And man, it's just like this. This theme has got everything that a Bond film should be. It informs Goldeneye in ways, like if you listen to the instrumentation under her voice, it's got like yeah. that little snare and everything. Um, but also it's got the big strings, like the bassy stuff. Um, it's just it's, it's got some good use of, thin- of synthesizer too. It does. It really is a product. It, it's probably the best hybrid of all of the things that we love about Bond themes and about one of the best films it, oh man it's such a good film and because I, it's personal it's it's not Bond going on a mission on behalf of Her Majesty's Secret Service he's not trying to stop some megalomaniac from stealing submarines and keeping them in a volcano somewhere it's about his friend got nearly very nearly murdered by a drugs baron and his he's friend's, fucking his friend, his friend got very nearly murdered and tortured yeah his friend's wife got murdered and he's fucking pissed at it. And he's by one of the right. most underrated villains in Bond. Yeah, because he's real. Because he's, he's very real, and there's still elements to him that you that that are. I don't want to say that he's a good character, that he's a good person or anything, but there's elements mm. to that character that make him stand out. Like uh, he he's very like I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. I know it's Robert Davi who plays him. Was it Escobar? Um, I know that's an obvious name to use. Yeah, that's I an obvious like name was... in the 80s. Well, I mean, it's clear that that was what they were going for. It, he was meant to be a Colombian drug dealer. but uh, Sanchez. It... Sanchez. Ron Sanchez. Sanchez. Uh, his big thing is loyalty. Yeah. So, basically, Dalton's Bond tries to worm his way into Davi's organization. And slowly, slowly uh, make him mistrust his lieutenants. Mm. Yeah. Including a young Benicio del Toro who is fantastic. Del Toro is superb in this movie. He's really good in this movie. He's always been. Uh, but a great this actor. movie, like, it's weird because it, it sort of circumvents all the Bond things, and yet it's still a really good Bond film. Yeah, it's still got the gadgets. It's still got the stunts, like the. Ah, um... oh, now which Roger Moore film was it where he did the car on two wheels? I think that was. Oh man, it was it's View been to so a Kill, long. wasn't it? It might have been View to a Kill. I think it was View to a Kill. Um, but they redo it with a fucking 18 wheeler and yeah. an RPG rocket. 
That yeah, is I, fucking when I, amazing. Okay, when, we, when we said earlier, like, even the best Bond films have some element of stupidity to yeah. them. Yeah. Um, the 18-wheeler is, is really the shark-jumping moment of this movie. But that's literally the only time that you really feel like they go over the top. The rest of it is so grounded. Um, and, like, the... The, um, the, the, the deaths in this movie are... Oh, man. They are pretty fucking violent. But, um... I'm thinking of the, the comedy aspect that's brought into this movie with the um, the preacher. Um, that uh, is, is he get held hostage by the the female lead? And uh, even when I just think when I think comedy in this movie, I think of Sharky, <laughs> uh, who is great, and he he you know gone too soon. Rest in peace, Sharky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the comedy's not overblown. But it, um, it's definitely it, it diffuses the tension because there's an awful lot of tension in that yes, movie. Yes, there is a lot of tension, and to this day, even with the Craig films, you could say that this is one of the heaviest Bond films. I think just by because he's not just of it. he's not just wanted from you know he's not just wanted he's not just wanted from his enemy. He's wanted from MI6. Yeah, it's, it's like there is no um, safe port for him. He's got he's to, gone all in. Yeah, and it's an element to Bond that you don't see too much, like. It's it's he's got this loyalty streak to him, mm. you know, and that serves as a foil for Dobby's character because to him trust is everything. Yeah, yeah. you know. No, I I I'm such a huge fan of this film. It makes me sad whenever I see this film because I'm just like they could have done more. He That's true, but we did get we did get two really good films. We we uh, got we got the template for Craig. We we waited a fucking long time in comparison and eventually yes. in 94 I want to say following up Gladys Knight's amazing performance oh man talk about a great performance yes we got another amazing one with Tina Turner god damn who you guys who you guys are crazy about i listened to this particular song incessantly it's great it's fucking great um, and it's actually, I think it's composed by Bono and The Edge. Is it Every really? time I call him, every time I call him The Edge, I feel so weird. because <laughs> um, I think of Edge the wrestler. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, you guys are crazy about Tina Turner, so oh, I imagine Britain must have been very happy about this. Yeah, yeah. And it blew up huge as well. I think it got to number one, if I remember correctly. Number oh, one it's a great, number two. It's a great fucking song. It's super. Uh, there's only one problem I have with the opening, uh, cinematic. What's up? Uh, the girl opening her mouth and the and the gun and the gun comes coming out. out. Yeah. Every time I see that, I think it looks stupid as hell. <laughs> um, but it the rest does. of it looks really cool, especially the polo. I, I love the uh, the women in high heels on top of the monuments with hammers. We just, crushed communists. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, hammering down. I and mean, it's just it tells a really neat story, and it, again, it sets it you up for what kind of film you're watching. And that that film as well, like Sean Bean who in an alternate dimension got to play James Bond at yeah. least in this movie gets to be in a Bond movie for England James oh man no for me oh. Oh. so good this movie's really fucking memorable so man. fucking good and like you know we, we were waxing earlier about the game but this movie you know it can't be overstated just how important this movie was for the Bond franchise. Because even though everyone's coming around on License to Kill and Living Daylights now, before then, 
or sorry, before this was you know, what brought it back. This Goldeneye, yeah, yeah, because like, because license license and uh, Daylights are films that like nowadays people look at them and they're like, yeah, those were really good films. Mm. Same thing with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Like people are a lot more forgiving to Lazenby now. Yeah, but as they time. should be because I want to say this because we didn't say it earlier. Lazenby got a really raw deal. He did. He did. He got a very he got a very raw deal, and and it's a shame because um, he's a very talented man. You know, if you ever, even with voice acting, because he's done voice acting for Batman Beyond and stuff like that. I didn't uh, realize So he's that. still around here and there. He's still getting the odd job. That's good. Odd yeah. job. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Goldeneye but, um, just uh, out and out, one of the best Bonds. I, it's in my top five. It's got to I, be. I was um, talking with a friend of mine on Twitter, mm. and basically I told him, to me, Goldeneye is, if, if when you consider what a Hollywood film is, a big budget, you know. Yeah. Hollywood film uh, for a casual audience that's just enjoyable through and through. Goldeneye is that film. Yeah. From beginning to end, it's just it's, mm-hmm. it does everything right that you expect from your big bombastic action movies, but it also does everything right from a Bond perspective. Yeah. I... It's just a solid film, and honestly, Brosnan's great in it. Mm. But it's very clear that he's paying his own tribute to Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah, I I can't argue with anything that you said there. I just it's a great film. It's a great tune. Great I, one-liners. Oh, fantastic one-liners. She always did enjoy a good squeeze. Yeah, oh, man. Um, oh, and his and his Irish always comes out when he yells. Oh, what was the one about um, safe sex? Oh man. <laughs> God, I'm trying to remember. Uh, he had a gun or something. He said, "Oh no, 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 safe sex." You always you must you always got you always practice safe sex or yeah. something like that, yeah. Because she's about to do the the whole I'm gonna kill you with my legs. That's right, Xenia you know? on the top. Whose name is a pun because that's a Bond thing. Yep, yeah. They kind of stretch that one, but she's think, really memorable in this. I think that was the first role for who later became best known as as Jean Grey. Yeah. It might have been. Um, I can't remember her name because she she kind of chews the scenery the when she's there. Yeah, very much so. That accent isn't convincing in the slightest. But no, but it, it, she's so she's having so much fun with it that yeah, it's it's, it's so a memorable. proper Bond performance. It um, really is. 